In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today, as we continue in the season of Lent, the fifth Sunday in Lent, we're mindful of uh, that overall theme of Lent that we've spoken of before, a theme of ultimately the Lord's cross, the solution to our many problems. And so we reflect in the season of Lent upon those problems, the problems of sin and all the problems that flow from our sin, death, suffering, anxiety, shame, and all the rest. So, so far in Lent, we've covered sin and sickness, and today, death with the raising of Lazarus. It is a rather long gospel lesson, so good job standing up for the whole time. We we thought we'd maybe appease the masses and have you sit down for the hymn of the day, which is also long, because there's a limit to what people will tolerate before things get thrown at the pulpit, so thank you. Uh, It's a long gospel reading, and there's actually a way to shorten it, but you'd have to cut out the middle. So you cut out that middle section where where Jesus wept, and I think that's kind of a key section in the gospel for understanding what's going on there. If you want to pull out your bulletin and and kind of flip flip back to the section, when Jesus says, or when it says that Jesus wept around verse 35, just before that it says in verse 33, that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And then he sees there the, the grief expressed by Mary and Martha at the death of their brother. But this deeply troubled isn't just like a kind of grief that we would feel and associate with, but it's actually often translated um, in other places, the same word is translated as anger. He was furious. He was mad. Which is kind of weird. He wasn't mad, obviously, at Mary and Martha for being sad. He wasn't mad at Lazarus for dying, but Jesus is mad at the death problem. And Jesus is after solving the death problem for Lazarus, right? And so we have the greater context of today with the, with the healing of, with the raising of Lazarus from the dead. It starts off in kind of a funny way because the text makes it quite clear that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And when he gets word that Lazarus is sick, it says, because he loved them, he waited, he waited and didn't go to Jerusalem. That is, he let Lazarus die. He loved Mary and Martha, and so he let Lazarus die? Well, that doesn't make very much sense. But maybe the first point I wanna make is, as Jesus says, he lets Lazarus die in verse in verse, three, in verse 4, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, which is weird because Lazarus does in fact die. We'll come back to that. But as he says, it is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The glory of God. So when, we, when you think about glory and our earthly experience of glory, what do you think about? For me, it's always, it's always Peyton Manning winning the Super Bowl kind of getting lifted up by his teammates and the confetti falling from the skies and everyone cheering and this earthly triumph and earthly victory and we would say earthly glory. And so if we're expecting the glory of God, we might be thinking about it in the same way. Some kind of earthly triumph over enemies, some kind of uh, a powerful display. And Jesus certainly has power and he does triumph over the enemies. But the glory of Jesus is actually known in the opposite of our earthly experience of glory. 
In fact, throughout his ministry, especially early on, before we get to this week as we're approaching Palm Sunday and Good Friday, Jesus has approached Jerusalem a few different times. And whenever the people are hostile and Jesus starts to get the sense that they're going to try to kill him, he'll say, the time for the glorification of the Son of Man has not yet come. The time of my glory is not yet. And so Jesus doesn't go down to Jerusalem until now. So now Jesus heads to Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem, because as he says, it is time for the glorification of the Son of Man. So Bethany is only two miles away from Jerusalem, and this has attracted a lot of, a lot of people from Jerusalem, which is going to be significant later, because they're going to be the ones who run back after they see the raising of Lazarus. They're going to go back, and they're going to tell the Pharisees what Jesus has done. So, so Jesus has said, the death of Lazarus is not to death, but it's for the glory of the Son of Man. And if you flip to the very last verse of the gospel lesson, verse 53, so from that day on, they, the Pharisees, the high priests, made plans to put him to death. So it was the raising of Lazarus was the, you could say, the nail in the coffin. It's, it's Jesus walking up to the hornet's nest with a baseball bat and smacking it and making the Pharisees angry so that this was the event that pushed the Pharisees to kill Jesus. This was it. So we see that Jesus, he has to let Lazarus die. In his love for Lazarus, he wants to solve the death problem for Lazarus. So he lets Lazarus die so that he can raise Lazarus from the dead, so that the Pharisees get mad, so that the Pharisees kill Jesus, so that he can solve the death problem. And there we see that the death of Lazarus is for ultimately the glory of God, the, gloria, the glorification of the Son of Man, where glory in Jesus is him raised up on the cross, wearing a crown not of gold, but a crown of thorns. And that's his highest point as he's destroying sin, death, and the devil. The second point, besides the glory of God I'd like to make in this, is that when Jesus is talking about the death of Lazarus, he says, this illness does not lead to death, but yet Lazarus dies. So what are we to make of that? Well, if I was to ask you, like, where are you going for spring break? You might say, well, I'm going to Florida. So but Florida is the end goal. That's the destination. It's where you're going. Two lays out the goal, right? This illness does not lead to death. So death is not the end goal. So if you're to say you're going to Florida, you're not going to say I'm going to the TSA checkpoint at Midway. You have to go through the TSA checkpoint at Midway, but it's not worth mentioning. It's along the way to where you're going, to the end goal, to Florida. So in the same way for Lazarus, his illness does not lead to death, but it leads through it. So sometimes the best theology is in the small words, the difference in to and through. And so for Lazarus, his illness does not lead to death, but only through it, so that Jesus could also go through death. And that changes death for all of us, doesn't it? Because the Lord Jesus has gone through death, 
ripping out the teeth of death, all of us now will not go to death, but we go through death. Jesus has overcome the power of death for us, and now it is not the end point, but it's simply something we pass through along the way. Which gets to my, my third and final point, is I mentioned earlier all the problems that Jesus has overcome for us by his cross, the sin problem, but it's not really a problem for us anymore. So we, we certainly struggle with our sin, and the devil uses our sin to bring us guilt at times, perhaps. But we know that Jesus has ultimately died for our sin. The problem has been solved. And we kind of are always reminding ourselves and being reminded of that, that the sin problem has been solved. Also, too, for death. The death problem, which, which maybe seems to be the greatest of our problems, we know that problem has been solved. Especially today, Jesus saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. He's been through death, not to it. He's overcome death on our on our behalf. So death itself is not our problem. I would argue that the greatest problem that we face in this world is not death, but it's the fear of death. So death is just the end, but it's living in this ongoing fear of death that causes us great despair, and the devil uses it to rip away all comfort and drive us to despair and anxiety using that fear to control us. So it is the fear of death that is perhaps the greatest thing that we seem to still be stuck with in our sinful flesh. So what does the Lord do with fear? Well, to use an analogy as a, how does an earthly father deal with the fear of his children? So if you've got some young children who are maybe saying, Dad, I'm scared to go upstairs in the dark because I don't know what's up there. I'm scared, Dad, will you come with me? No, the dad knows there's nothing up there. I was just upstairs. There's nothing, in, there's nothing upstairs that's going to do you any harm. And plus, I've been sitting here at the front of the stairs. Nothing's gotten past me. There's nothing upstairs. It is fine. Get over it, kid. The loving father doesn't say that, at least at first, maybe eventually. <laughs> but the loving father says, no, okay, let's go. Let's go upstairs and look. Goes upstairs, turns on the lights. There's nothing here to be afraid of. In the same way, the Lord Jesus speaks his light into the darkness of our fears over and over again. As the devil brings his, his despair to us, as we walk in the Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death in this world, and the devil would do everything he can to bring us to despair in this, in this darkness, the Lord Jesus speaks his light into our despair. I am the resurrection and the life. Though you might die, because you believe, you will live. And he speaks that to us every day, not just once, but every day, because we tend to forget in our sinful flesh, just like a child every day who knows there's nothing upstairs. I need daddy to tell me that there's nothing upstairs. And so the Lord Jesus continues to speak to us his light to chase away the fear of death. And he even puts that word of gospel on our lips, doesn't he? There are people in your life facing death even now, and they need to hear the promise of, of their Lord Jesus. So you have the joy of speaking that to them, just as others will have the joy in speaking that to you. That our Lord Jesus has gone through death and has ripped out its teeth so that now we too will pass through death. 
Lord Jesus, the resurrection and the life abides with us as he has baptized his name onto us, promising to be with us always, even until the end of the age, into life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen. We stand for prayer.